I shall not be, I shall not be moved. I shall not be, I shall not be moved. Just like a tree that's planted by the waters, Lord. I shall not be moved. Pastor? I invite your attention now to the book of Acts in chapter number 16. The book of Acts in chapter number 16. As we look at this particular passage of Scripture, we find here that for weeks... Paul, Silas, and Timothy, they struck out in Asia. One closed door after another drove them back to their knees. For hundreds of miles, it was the same. From Pesina, Antioch, all the way to Troas, zero, nothing opened up. Finally, God broke the silence barrier and gave His plan to these men. Europe. Without hesitation, the four men, Paul and Silas, Timothy, and Dr. Luke, they set sail from Macedonia. Well, again, with in Philippi, in Acts chapter 16, verses 11 through 15. The journey in verses 11 and 12. <clears throat> Therefore, loosing from Troas, we came a straight course to Samothracia the next day to Neapolis, and from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia, and a colony. And we were in that city abiding certain days. And on the Sabbath we went out of the city by Riverside where prayer was wont to be made. And we sat down and spoke unto women which resorted thither. And we find here that Samothracia was a little city on an island halfway to Neapolis. And the missionaries spent the night in verse number 11 before continuing their trip. Therefore loosing, this is verse number 11 from Troas, we came to the straight course to Samothracia and the next day, they spent the night there, 
to Neapolis. <clears throat> when they reached Neapolis, a day later, here in verse number 11, they had sailed across 175 miles of water. From Neapolis, they sailed inland, here in verse number 12, another 10 miles to Philippi, which became the first European city to hear the gospel. Oh, are we ever thankful for that? Amen. They've heard the gospel and now we have it. Verse 13, it talks about the Sabbath here. Luke's account continues. It says here, uh, on the Sabbath we went out of the city by a riverside where prayer was wont to be made, and we sat down and spake unto the women which resorted thither. There isn't any mention of a synagogue here at Philippi. I would imagine apparently it's because there were not enough Jews to warrant a synagogue. And since there was not a synagogue, uh, no such place to worship and to have prayer they went to the river they went to the river to be alone but there they met some women they spoke they spoke to the women who were assembled there and uh, look in verse number 14. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshipped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended to the things which were spoken of Paul. I want you to know something about that, folks. Whose heart the Lord opened. You thank God that the Lord opened your heart. Yep. <clears throat> Sometimes you hear preachers have very honestly but make a statement like, open your heart to the Lord. Um, you maybe could if you would, or if you would, if you could. But you thank God that He's the one opened your heart. Yeah. The Lord opened the heart. Um, It says here this woman that uh, it doesn't uh, uh, say that she was a Christian, but it does say that she was a God-fearing woman. Uh, 
And she listened to Paul in verse number 14. Uh, <clears throat> a certain woman named Lydia, seller of purple, the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, whose heart the Lord opened, and she attended, she listened to the things which were spoken of Paul. She listened to Paul and her household. She and her household that were saved. They came to know the Lord. Praise the Lord for that. She and her household, they came to they were baptized, and she provided a place there in her house for the men to stay. And so the beginning of a ministry requires wisdom. It takes wisdom to know when to bend. Wisdom to know when to stand. Stand firm. And if our feet are just set in rules and regulations, we're more likely going to fail in the ministry. You need to be somewhat flexible. Preach the truth. Stick with the truth. But you can be flexible in a lot of other ways. Get the job done. We need to allow God's Spirit to keep us sensitive and flexible and I want you to notice in verses 16 17 and 18 Paul and Silas were imprisoned and apparently here we find the ministry of these men was centered around this place of prayer where the people were gathered and day after day they went to this place and a young slave girl with a spirit of divination followed them. And this woman, she was possessed of a demon. In verses 16 and 17 it says, it came to pass as we went to prayer certain damsel possessed with the spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us, and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. Well, this woman possessed with this demon she had ability to be able to speak the, the demon spoke through her and shared supernatural information and her owners used this ability to make money here in verse number 16 well, that was not good. But as she followed these men in verse 17, 
she continually to proclaim the words of commendation. She continually proclaimed words that spoke well of the Apostle Paul and those that were with him. In the on the surface, it seemed like uh, it was supportive. But Paul discerned that she's possessed of a demon. And finally, Paul reached a saturating point in verse 18. It says here in verse 18, And this she did many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said, to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. And he came out the same hour. Mama. Paul's very direct here in dealing with this situation. He approached this in four ways. First, he was unintimidated. He was completely in control at all times in dealing with this demon spirit. And then number two, he spoke directly to the demon and not to the girl in verse 18. He spoke directly to that demon. I command thee, in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. And they came out the same hour. So, uh, uh, and then I want you to notice, third, he didn't make a request. Verse 18, he commanded the Spirit. In verse 18, he said, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. And then fourth, he called upon the name of Jesus Christ in verse 18, a higher power and one in whose name rests with infinite authority. I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And they came out the same hour. Thank the Lord for that. The result, in verse 18, the demon came out the same hour. God, uh, uh, Paul commanded him to come out and the same hour he came out. Every major breakthrough is met with corresponding resistance. You try to do something for the cause of Christ and you mark my word, the devil is going to resist you and try to stop you and uh, he's got to fight back. 
If you feel the Lord's leading you to do something, the devil's going to try to stop you. But if you feel like the Lord's leading you to you head and just plow right on in, go and go at it anyway. Go at it with. If you feel this is what God wants you to do, you do it anyway. The devil will stop us if we'll let him. But there's no need in our letting him just run us over. If you feel the leadership of the Lord in your life to do something for the cause of Christ, may God help you to go ahead and persevere and do what the Lord's leading you to do. <clears throat> Satan just seems to have a very, very uh, wicked way of resisting the ministry and he'll stop you if you let him. Every strategy of the devil has got to be met with a counterattack. If the Lord's leading you to do something, do it by the help of the Lord. Apart from the power of Jesus Christ, the truth of the matter is we'd all give in to the devil. Yep. You don't need giving in to the devil. Letting the devil run your life. If you feel like the Lord's leading you to do something and serving the Lord, then just do it. But don't just back off and bow down because the devil's putting up some resistance. You come right back at him by the power of God. Now I want you to notice the next thing. <clears throat> Mistreatment now begins in verses 19 through 34. The men who had been exploited in this, exploiting this girl, were enraged because their profit making. Potential is gone here in verse number 19. How they were making money off her, I don't know, but they were making money off of her. Because she got that demon spirit. And Paul drove this demon spirit out. And these men didn't like it. <coughs> they didn't care that she had been released from the demon. What they cared about was the fact they had lost their profit-making potential. They only saw their profit business had suddenly ended. Then I want you to notice that Paul and Silas are beaten and imprisoned in verses 19 through 24. The girl's owners dragged Paul and Silas in verse 19 before the authorities without any kind of a trial. These missionaries were beaten and they were thrown into prison in verse number 23. 
They're beating, they're beating in verse 22 here. And now they're be, uh, uh, putting priests in verse 23. But then there's prayer and praise in verse 25. These men refuse to give up. <laughs> Thank the Lord. Not going to give up. <clears throat> Instead of wallowing in self-pity, they sang praises. They sang praises to the one whom they served. And don't you know the others heard them? They heard them as they were singing praises to the Lord. It's unusual in a jail, no doubt. <clears throat> Having men beaten, put in prison, maybe at midnight, from that cell where they are, all of a sudden you're hearing, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Oh my! Those prisoners heard that. That was some kind of music they were not accustomed to hearing. Especially not there in the jail. So we see here, but they realized that since they were doing the work of God, every place that they were in, the submission field, and in the jail, there in the jail, they were still on the mission field. And they were serving the Lord there. <clears throat> Deliverance and salvation in verse 26 through 34. Suddenly in verse 26, there's an earthquake. The doors were opened and chains were unfastened from their wrists and from their ankles. Prisoners are set free if they wanted to take off. Oh my! And the jailer knowing this, he knew his life was in danger. Yep. And he could either be killed by the prisoners themselves or, or the officials themselves. They would come in and kill him. So uh, these prisoners, uh, the, uh, these officials, they, 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 they were ready to go ahead and commit suicide. But uh, I want you to notice here that <clears throat> uh, in verse 27, He's going to take his own life. But Paul stopped him in verse 28. And that night 
He and his family were saved. That jailer, he heard the gospel. I can I read what it says here in the scripture. He and his straightway, his family, his wife got saved. If he had children, they got saved. This old jailer got baptized. His wife got baptized. And if he had children, they got saved, they got baptized. Oh my. Wouldn't you like to have been there to have seen all that? It's good for us to be able to read it here in the Word of God. It's one thing for sure. You know it wasn't a fairy tale. This actually did happen. Because it's written here in the Word of God. He believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and they were baptized in verse 33. Praise in hard times reaps a harvest of benefits. It's easy to praise after the hard times. But it's not so easy to praise in the midst of struggle. Well, here we are. We're in the midst of the struggle. We've got a lot of praise going on. And I want you to notice a remarkable release in verses 35 through 40. The next morning, here in verse 35, the chief magistrates ordered the men to be released from jail. When the jailer told Paul they were free in verse 36. Boy, oh boy. He didn't get what he was expecting. In verse number 37, Paul said to them, they have beaten us openly, uncondemned, being Romans, and have cast us into prison. And now do they thrust us out privily? <laughs> Nay, verily, but let them come themselves and fetch us out. And the sergeants told these words unto the magistrates, and they, that is the magistrates, they feared when they heard that, that they were Romans. They did not know that these men were Romans. You see, law, Roman law forbid that they could be beaten. It was not to be so. The fact that Paul and Silas were Romans made a great difference. If the officials had known that, that earlier that they were Romans, they wouldn't have beaten them. They were actually protected 
from such treatment by Roman law. They couldn't do that. But they did it. So Paul wanted them to come to the jail and to release them in public fashion. In verse 39, they did. They came and besought them and brought them out and desired them to depart out of the city. They had no other choice. Embarrassing as it was, they did. Then they departed. So we find that the gospel entered Europe, and we can be thankful that from that day to this, the message of grace is still going out in that continent. And we here in North America who enjoy the message today because it was brought to Europe so long ago. You thank God that you have heard the Gospel. Not everybody has. But you thank God that you had the privilege to hear the Gospel. Some of you, like myself, can remember when you heard the Gospel I was a boy of about 10 years old and I remember when I heard the gospel I recognized that I was lost and I needed to be saved I thank God that I heard the gospel I thank God that God gave me faith to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not something that I drummed up myself, but God gave me the faith to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. I was at church. It was an evening service. I got saved. I went home that night and I told my mom and dad. They'd already gone to bed. I went into their bedroom and I well remember holding up my hands something like this. I said, Mom and Dad, the most wonderful thing happened to me tonight. I got saved. Mom and Dad didn't go to church much back in those days. But it did something to them because the next Sunday we were in church. Not a Baptist church where I got saved. That's not where they went. They didn't know anything about Baptists. They went to the College Heights Methodist Church. 
wish we were in church. But that was the beginning of my family going to church. I don't know how long we went there, but it wasn't very long. And I remember my dad telling me one day, he said, son, your mom and I want to join this Baptist church. But they will not receive us unless we get rebaptized. You see, when I got saved, Mom and Daddy had me baptized by a Methodist preacher. And he didn't want to baptize me. I remember the Methodist preacher had me. I'm a, remember, I'm a 10, about a 10-year-old boy. The Methodist preacher had me by the hand leading me out into the water and it was cold. And he said to me, he said, if your daddy wasn't so stubborn, we could have done this at the church house. What he's talking about is sprinkling me. So the water. He took me out there and immersed <coughs> me under that water. But we didn't say that at this church very long. Soon, you want to go back to church. Daddy says, oh, I never see us. We've got to get, get rebaptized. I want you to come with us. Yeah. The uh, baptistry and the Baptist church was different from any that I'd ever seen before. I think I've told you this before, but the baptistry was under the pulpit. And what they did, they moved the pulpit aside and there was two doors that opened up like this. And you walk down into the water and they, everybody could see somebody they were being baptized right there. They got done, they closed the doors, they put the pulpit back up over the over the baptistry. I've never seen anything like that before. And uh, I'm glad ours is not that way today. But uh, that's the way that one was. And it, it probably still is if it's still there. Let's all stand if you would please. And Daniel, you need to start closing first, son. Father, thank you for the foothold in Europe. Thank you that you did not just leave your word with the Jews. You sent it to me too. Thank you for the work that was done by Paul and Silas and so many, many other men and ladies in sharing the gospel and making it well known. Thank you for putting me in Dad's house. Thank you for teaching me the truth. Help me to share it with others. Help it not to stop with me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.